And I'm just like, come on, bro. Like, why can't we talk about the political and economic state of the world right now? Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Two Takes on Film, the only podcast that is a single child. My name is Wyatt Roy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Heather Davenport. Hello. Hello, Heather. Heather and I are two best friends who love talking about all things movies. So if that sounds interesting to you, make sure to like and follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. With that being said, we've got a great episode for you guys we're going to be reviewing two different chris hemsworth movies oh was that disappointment <laughs> no it was like oh chris hemsworth oh it was like fawning yeah it sounded like disappointment <laughs> well we'll see i guess which is ironic because that's how i would describe both of these movies but Yo. fawning um but before we get to those reviews, uh, Chris Hemsworth is a uh, little known fact about him. He has siblings, uh, one of them being famous actor Liam Hemsworth and the other being semi-famous actor Luke Hemsworth. <laughs> and they might have other siblings, too. I don't know. Um, Luke Hemsworth been in? He's in these movies. Is he really? He's the guy who plays Thor in the uh, Asgardian like plays yeah yeah all right um that's kind of the like the joke there sure is that it's it's he's the luke is the older brother of them it goes luke then chris then liam okay um and honestly liam is a b-list actor now what is he honestly i don't know what the last thing was that he was in yeah um but which no no shaming there uh sure. you can do whatever He's, he wants to do it has certainly done more than i will ever do in yeah. hollywood so. <laughs> liam's like well kind done, of a liam. bum you know <laughs> what's he's up mm. to uh but anyway we got we got on the topic of uh famous siblings famous acting yeah. siblings or at, at least like famous hollywood siblings yeah and heather found an article uh listing some famous Hollywood siblings that you might not know were siblings. Is that right? Totally. Uh, And so she's going to kind of use the article to quiz me, seeing if I, in fact, do know Mm -hmm. that these people are siblings. Yeah. Well, before we move on to that, I did recently see a video of um, an interview from back in the day when the Hunger Games was coming out and Liam Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson are being interviewed. And the the reporter whoever is asking Liam about Chris and Mm. I think he probably had maybe Thor had just come out or I don't know whatever um he was you know who he is and they're chatting and Woody Harrelson is sitting there and he has this moment of realization that they are brothers (laughs) and it was really sweet (laughs) Woody Harrelson did not realize that they did not realize that Chris and Liam were brothers that's funny was the interview was the interviewer asking him about his brother or did he think that Liam was Chris? Oh no. He was asking uh, Liam okay. about Chris. Cause I feel like I've seen that maybe not with them, but if it was them, for example, like Liam or like Chris being in an interview for Thor yeah. and they're like, well, how do you feel like this compared to working on the hunger games? You know, yeah. thinking oh, that, that's Liam. but it wasn't yeah. that. No, no, no. Woody no. Harrelson was coming to the realization that they're brothers. That that's they were funny. Brothers. Yeah. So even celebrities don't always know those but they're like such an easy they look exactly alike. well totally and the last name is like not a common last name so right right makes sense uh okay so our first uh pair they are a pair uh, a brother and a sister and the first is no i'm sure they'll probably be on this list there are 22 uh but it is timothy chalamet and do you know his sister's name no this is gonna be 
it's, Go it's going to be tough. It's going to yeah. be tough, but there'll be some that you'll knock out of the park. Um, his sister is Pauline Chalamet, who I know from the sex lives of college girls, which is on HBO max. Uh, it is directed by Mindy Kaling. Um, and yes, I, my, my favorite show. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, as I was- that sounded so creepy. I, I was saying like a joke, like I probably wouldn't be super interested in a show called The Sex Life of College Girls. Yeah, you I made understand. it really. <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> it is actually a great show. They are no, I'm sure filming a second season, uh, which I am quite excited about. But as I was watching it, I had no idea. Mm who she was i had never seen her in anything um and then did you i don't not even, see her name i don't think i did oh, okay i don't yeah. know i missed it and i think i don't know if mindy kaling posted something or maybe timothy chalamet actually posted something about congratulating her on her show or whatever mm-hmm. and i was like oh my gosh and you looking at them you can you can totally see it but it's, that's it's really just, just timothy in a wig <laughs> honestly Timothy. Um, I feel like this is going to be tough because that's stretching a bit what like a Hollywood actor is. Uh, his sister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not I'm, him. Totally. But I'm I feel not... like it's going to be one where like the one person is like uber famous and another person totally. is like, you might've seen them in something. Yeah. Yeah. If you happen to watch that show. Yeah. Like the Gyllenhaals, the Hemsworth, like both sure. those are like at least at one point were like A-list actors. Yeah, totally. So I don't know, but keep going, keep going. It okay. just might, that's kind of difficult. No, it, uh, I, I warned you before we started this, that it probably would be quite difficult. So uh, just starting off with a bang. Okay. Next up, we have a set of brothers. Their last name is Gleason. Dom Hall. Uh-huh. Who is in Ex Machina, Star uh-huh. Wars, Harry Potter, and his brother uh i don't know i know his dad mm-hmm. yeah his um, his dad is brendan gleason yeah. his brother is brian gleason who is in peaky blinders and phantom thread oh apparently huh. <laughs> okay. apparently yeah <laughs> okay like, i know oh, yeah. yeah i know brendan and Hall, but i guess i didn't know what is what's brendan all about uh he was in like calvary in 2014 in bruges um in in 2008 he's a big comedy actor from ireland back in the day and then Hmm. has done some more um some more uh dramas as he's gotten older calvary he was nominated for at least a golden globe maybe an oscar Hmm. all right well i'm gonna skip through some of these to get to the more interesting ones Mm -hmm. however i will say i have not looked past the one that i'm on right now so who's to say what's to come but we were just uh talking about them a second ago um it was before we started recording officially i think but mary kate and ashley have a sister named elizabeth Elizabeth. i had no idea what you didn't no (laughs) yeah she's their little sister she's their little sister Uh uh-huh oh my gosh how old is elizabeth olsen not that old i think I mean, I don't think she's little by that many years. I would say like she's early 30s, they're mid 30s. Wow. That is fascinating to me. I truly had no idea. That's amazing. Wow. And it's funny because she's far surpassed anything they did in their adult lives in terms of acting. I know that they did a lot with like fashion and makeup, I think. Totally. Um, But like Elizabeth Olsen is, I mean, mostly thanks to the MCU, but also like a a lot of considerable other projects uh, is a big big name yeah yeah okay next up we have a brother and sister duo uh last name of cusack john and joan john and joan who has john continued to do much you know i don't know recently um yeah i can't i feel like i feel like joan has transitioned well into her yeah, she's got a niche kind of uh, quirky old woman yeah. um, roles. Not even quirky old woman, quirk, quirky like 60 something year old yeah. woman. Uh, John, I don't know if I can think of anything past 2012 for him. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's been some stuff. I have a bad feeling in my that 
I was going to say bad taste in my mouth. And then I said bad feeling in my <laughs> mouth, <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's that glass have, you swallowed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. I have a bad feeling that I feel like I've seen him go the, uh, like Nick Cage, Bruce Willis, yeah, straight to DVD bin uh, yeah. action. Oh, you know, what? yeah, he was in a Stephen King like straight to video or straight to DVD movie called Cell with Samuel Jackson, twenty fourteen. That was like the worst rated movie that year. Hmm. So besides that, I, I don't know. Yeah, which is a bummer because, man, like say anything, John mm. Cusack. Oh, what a serendipity, guy. serendipity. John Cusack? Oh yeah. my gosh, what a yeah. movie. Wow. It's great. Uh, well, earlier, uh, our audience is not privy to this conversation, but we were talking a little bit about Don't Worry, Darling. And mm-hmm. that, of course, is starring Florence Pugh. And she has a brother who's an mm-hmm. actor. Are you familiar? Mm-mm. His name is Toby Sebastian, who appears on Game of Thrones as Tristane Martell. Nice. So there you go. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they don't look alike, but it is interesting. He looks a little bit like Zach Braff. Does he? Uh, maybe like a young Zach Braff. <laughs> little little uh, Freudian. Yeah. Going out there? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So this is an interesting uh, brother sister duo. Um, the sister has been in the news lately. The brother is Jonah Hill. Are you familiar with his sister? Yeah, Beanie Feldstein. Beanie Feldstein, who has unfortunately just been removed from her role uh, on Broadway as Hello Dolly, right? I think that's what she was in. Um, she was just replaced by Leah Michelle. I didn't. What, I didn't hear anything about that. We don't have to go into the details, but oh yeah, she has been starring on Broadway. Um, is it Hello Dolly or is it? That sounds. Uh, I think that's wrong. What was she in? I don't know, like, the situation. Totally. I think they just have not been pleased with her performance. Like, her her contract ended early, and she has been replaced with Leah Michelle. There wasn't, like, some sort of incident? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up, we have the brother-sister duo that you have been mentioning this whole time. Oh, the Gyllenhaals. The Gyllenhaals. <laughs> Maggie and Jake, who actually play siblings in Donnie Darko, mm-hmm. which I have not seen, but that's sweet that they got to be together. Yeah. Those little kids. Yeah. Um, next up, the the brothers that started it all, this conversation, the Hemsworths. The Hemsworth. Does it list all three? It doesn't. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it just lists Liam and Chris. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, the description literally does not even mention the other brother. So, mm. sorry, Luke. Uh, next up, we have a pair of sisters, the Fanning sisters. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ellie and... Wait, no, it's not Ellie and Ella, is it? Uh, no. no, I'm pretty sure it's just L. Oh, yeah, L. Oh, man, what's the other thing? Dakota. Dakota. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm stupid. I don't know why I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Yeah. You're right. So, Who is, fan, oh, the what's the name of, what is the name of the girl from eighth grade? Oh. Is her um, last name Fanning as well? No. It's not, but she absolutely looks like L Fanning. Yeah, she looks like. Uh, I don't I don't remember what her name is I don't think she's done anything since eighth grade I think for some reason no I don't think she has either Elsie Fisher Elsie of course I think for some reason my mind and and maybe it's just like how long the Fanning girls Fanning sisters have been famous yeah as young girls like they've been able to play yeah yeah like between the two of them which they look very similar have been able to play like young girls for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. so i feel like there was a period where they were both playing like young girls and in my mind l still kind of does play yeah. young girls a lot yeah and so in my mind there's still like two of them out there around her age whereas dakota's like now like i don't think she could play like a child anymore right yeah yeah so yeah the most recent thing that i've seen from them uh was l fanning 
in The Girl from Plainville, which we talked about right. in our one of our what we watched episodes. Yep. Um, but I don't know what Dakota's up to. Yeah, I guess I haven't really uh, heard or seen much of her lately. Yeah. Next up, we have another pair of sisters, the Deschanel's. Oh, Zoe and, and Emily, who uh, is best known for her role on Bones. But that's another one that was like, oh, I yeah, yeah just hadn't yeah. made that connection with them prior to it being pointed out. Um, oh, this is a throwback to to my childhood, I would imagine you probably watched this show as well because it was so wholesome, but a pair of brothers, the Savage Brothers. Um, ben and Fred Savage. Oh, ben started oh. Boy Meets World yeah, yeah, and yeah. Fred in The Wonder Years. Yeah. I don't know no. that they have successfully made a transition to adult acting. No. Ben I was trying to Savage... Think of like adult roles but yeah yeah ben savage continues to or i don't know that the show is still going but girl meets world right he came back to be Reprises thing, the dad yeah. um in that show but fred savage did he have some drama was I he i don't know sure. i don't I remember do uh okay um an iconic pair of brothers the wilson brothers oh um owen and uh uh da, 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 da. oh my gosh wait don't tell me okay um oh my gosh game night friday night lights what is his name the family stone an excellent christmas movie very emotional is it luke wilson it is luke wilson yeah, yeah, yeah. luke and owen wilson i don't know why i was thinking levi but i knew that wasn't right yeah close l name yeah. Uh, I feel like they have both done really well. They have certainly gone different yeah. directions. And I think Owen has had more success, but yeah. Luke is still still feels like a and both really likable. I really totally. like both the Owen brothers a lot. The Wilson yeah. brothers. Wilson brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I like more. No, <laughs> I actually do think that I like they just are different actors, but you know. Anderson oh. knows how to pick them. Totally. Um, this is one that I actually didn't know. Another pair of brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, one that, gosh, I don't even know if he's done anything in decades. Okay. Um, but Charlie Sheen has a brother. Who... It's it's same with the Gleasons. Like, obviously, I know Martin, their dad. They, here's the thing: they don't share. A last name. Oh. But they are both sons of Martin Sheen. Who has Martin Sheen been married to? Who? The brother stars in uh, 16, or sorry, The Breakfast Club. Um, oh, what's his name? Oh, God. What is it? To tell you, yeah. em- Emilio Estevez. Estevez. Oh, really? Yeah, they're uh-huh. brothers. Huh? Both I had no brothers. idea. What a time! What a yeah. time to learn things. Crazy. Um. All right, and here to wrap it up, we have another pair of brothers. One just had a very big weekend, getting married in Las Vegas to. The love no, of his life ben and casey affleck ben and casey affleck two just great a, guys just a couple of guys just a couple are, of dudes just a couple of dudes being bros quite literally <laughs> literally brothers uh wow. but yeah you know big congratulations to uh ben affleck and jennifer lopez on their marriage finally after 20 years were they never married first, officially before they were just engaged oh so it's a long engagement yep a long engagement that included That's a couple so cool, other though, marriages they, and like kids. stayed true to each other throughout the whole time totally super faithful very committed yeah, yeah so committed uh. <laughs> the pictures are at least the the little um 
doodle that she wrote about their wedding was actually quite sweet and was very like, wow, these are two incredibly huge stars. And they literally, Mm -hmm. they literally drove to a Las Vegas chapel and like wore stuff they already had and didn't do a whole big thing. And they just got married. He literally Mm -hmm. got changed in a bathroom. Hmm. Yeah. Love. But it's, well, yeah, except for right before she found out that he had uh, actually cheated on her with <laughs> with her manager. And as they were walking down the street, Owen Wilson uh, and, she, and, and Jennifer Lopez was like, oh my gosh, is that Luke Owen? And he's like, that's not, no, that's not my name. We worked together. We just recently worked together. She's like, I'm going to marry you. And he's like, I have a family and stuff. So it was really awkward, but... Anyway, they ended up getting married anyway, so good for them. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. Well, the first movie in this Chris Hemsworth double feature that we're going to be uh, talking about today is, of course, the latest MCU entry, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um, this is the latest uh obviously MCU entry overall, the fourth movie in the Thor series, if you kind of look at mcu as you know different series like that and that makes him the first character in the mcu to get four solo movies iron man had three uh captain america had three everyone else has had two or less so thor is uh rocking away phase four post end game still going strong with his individual movies uh with thor love and thunder it's also the second Thor movie directed by Taika Waititi, the New Zealand uh, comedian turned actor, turned director, uh, responsible for uh, what we do in the shadows, um, boy, uh, hunt for the wilder people, uh, Jojo Rabbit, and then of course Thor Ragnarok in 2017, which was a huge hit with critics and audiences alike, uh, and really revitalized this character of Thor. And kind of put him into the top rankings, I think, for a lot of people in terms of MCU characters, when before he was towards the middle or lower. Um, and obviously led to Taika getting um, rehired for another go at the character and recently rehired for a third of his Thor movies, a fifth Thor installment. Um, Taika brings his signature humor to this film. Uh and it is just on full display. Thor Ragnarok was uh, like a turning point in the MCU and in Thor's arc, especially where Thor had been kind of represented as this uh, spoiled man child, uh, kind of a spoiled brat with too much power. And while his character is still kind of dumb, a little like unaware, uh, Thor Ragnarok turned him into more of a a lovable jock kind of thing, kind of like the dumb jock that has a good heart that you kind of like to to kind of poke fun at. Uh, And fans really resonated with that. It turned his character into something um, much more approachable, something that fit better in line with what the MCU was leaning towards with these uh, movies that are as much comedies as they are uh, action superhero films. And Watiti's, you know, over the top uh, kind of, kind of retro uh, 80s style just fit really well. Uh, and, and all the jokes landed and, and Ragnarok just all around was this rousing success. I remember seeing Ragnarok in theaters, November, 2017, you know, a time when I more than anyone was just done with MCU films and really feeling like it was something fresh, even like, even beyond like guardians in 2014 uh, where, you know, James Gunn's style there and Watiti's style definitely line up more so than a lot of the other directors within uh, the MCU. Uh, I just remember thinking, wow, this was like a breath of fresh air stylistically writing wise, uh, just the approach to the subject. Like it felt like a, a, a comic book movie that understood how silly comic book movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, especially within the context of the MCU. And there's nothing wrong with a serious comic book movie. Uh, but within the context of the MCU, I think it's important that they embrace like the silliness of it 
And Watiti definitely did that really well. And you can feel that presence linger into Infinity War and even into Endgame and really everything that's come from the MCU since. So Thor Ragnarok overall, great success. Was super excited for Thor Love and Thunder. And I have to say, was disappointed by the film. Uh, it It's not a bad movie. It really didn't do too many things wrong. I just feel like it just did everything that Ragnarok did a little bit worse. Uh, it didn't break any new ground. It upped the joke factor like tenfold. Totally. Ragnarok was this refreshing thing where it kind of felt like Thor was in on the joke. Like Thor has always been a character that's like an outsider. He's literally an alien. So the original Thor, he's like an alien living on earth. All the jokes in that movie are about him not understanding humans, not understanding how our society works. You know, he likes a coffee. So he smashes a cup on the ground. And that's funny because in Asgard, apparently that's what you do, but here it's not, he's an outsider. Therefore he's kind of dumb, at least to our ways. And that's like funny. And he's just kind of this like super egotistical man child. Thor Ragnarok, it was like, he kind of gets it. He kind of understands his place, even though that's still who he is. And we can like find amusement in that performance. He's kind of in on the joke. And this movie was like, Thor's not in on the joke. Like Thor is the joke. And it just, it, it really feels like a joke of a film. And I don't mean that in the sense that it's like not worthy of being a film or anything like that, but it just like, it feels like a joke movie, like a movie that's made as a parody that's made mm-hmm. to like make fun of other movies. And, and I think that there's some level of uh, like me being correct there. I think that Watiti probably tries to kind of poke fun at the superhero genre and, and kind of be self-referential in that sense. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it just goes a little bit too far to where within the context of the MCU, like, well, this is something where for how silly these movies can be, people do care. People who are fans of the MCU care about where this story goes, about where these characters go. Mm-hmm. So when you tell an entire two-hour movie where it feels like it's just a joke, like it couldn't matter less, I think if anything, it's just highlighting what we've all been feeling since Endgame. And that is just an ever-increasing like needlessness and uh, lack of direction or sense yeah. of like, necessity from any of these mcu movies like there's there's been highs and lows since endgame but throughout phase four never once have i felt any sort of like necessity from any mcu offering Mm -hmm. and i think thor by you know whether they meant to or not thor love and thunder kind of pointed that out really Mm -hmm. really well of just this lack of direction in phase four so far and like nothing really matters anymore and you could argue that it didn't matter before if it's not your type of movie. I'm not saying yeah. the stakes are insane, but if you were someone who grew up with the MCU leading into, you know, or like throughout phase three and leading into um, infinity war and Endgame, like there were genuine stakes there that, that mattered. And since then, I just don't think that they've been able to replicate any sense of like anything mattering, mm-hmm. mattering and Thor love and thunder just kind of encapsulates that. Like it mm-hmm. does feel like a joke of a film. And I think it really suffers for it. I I did not find myself particularly enjoying most of the movie. Um, the jokes really didn't land. There's a, there's a couple jokes that I I chuckled at, maybe one or two audibly. Most of them just kind of like a nostril exhale. Uh, whereas Ragnarok, I truly found myself like howling throughout hmm. the film. And you know maybe that was a different night, a different audience that can definitely play a factor. Totally. Um, but I just it, they the humor didn't land as much. It came across as really childish, the whole movie really like, and there are very, uh, you know, obvious like moments, there's like a scene at the end that's kind of a, uh, like a little kid army is kind of gathered and it's like, oh, this is a, this is a kid's movie. Like I have mm-hmm. to remind myself, like, these are not movies made for me anymore, um, which is fine. I don't need a movie to, to cater to like my demographic to my age. But I just, I also think it's interesting when the MCU is still very much in a lot of senses marketing to people my age. Totally. And then, you know, so it's not like they've made a complete shift to being like, okay, we're staying in the teenage realm. I feel like they've tried to kind of quote, grow up with their audience, but then movies like this, like that's not going to land with, mm-hmm. with 30 year olds. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's childish. It's 
gets old within the first like 15 minutes of the film. Um, and unfortunately not that funny. I think, I think Taika can be one of the funniest writers on this planet. I think what we do in the shadows is one of the funniest movies ever written. Um, I love Jojo rabbit. I love hunt for the wilder people. I love Ragnarok. Um, I love boy. I, I, I really, really think that he's hilarious. I, it just didn't land for me here. Uh, there are positives sprinkled throughout the, the visual style is still something at the very least, uh, more cohesive and more unique than most MCU offerings. Uh, you know, so while it is very much just a repeat of, uh, Ragnarok style, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it capitalizes on things even better in some ways. Uh, there's certain fight sequences near the end that kind of mess with um, color and shadows mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like depth of the frame that really, really are cool. Unfortunately, just like caught within a story that I just didn't really care about. Um, but, it, you know, it did look really good. There are performances that are good. Uh, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher is fantastic, mm-hmm. captivating. I wish there was more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of his stuff was kind of cut uh, and left on the cutting room floor. Um, but I would have loved to see more. I think this is a rare movie where, a rare MC movie where I would have loved to see it be longer. It mm-hmm. sits at under two hours, which is mm-hmm. which is fairly short for an MCU film. Um, even Ragnarok was 210 and that felt like a good length. I would have loved an extra 20 minutes of this film to just pad things out. It felt like it moved so quickly. Mm-hmm. And like Jane, for example, Jane being back in the film, I don't know. I feel like as soon as that, that's a big deal of this character, eight and a half years after her last appearance, appearance in the MCU, like all of a sudden coming back into the fold. And I feel like we spent maybe three minutes with her, then all of a sudden, boom, she was Thor. Yeah. mighty thor yeah uh like everything just felt it felt like a way too compact episode of a tv show where they're like man we got a lot of ground to cover this episode mm-hmm. so the whole thing just kind of feels like okay go do this okay now we have to go do that okay now we have to go do that and i just had no time to kind of sit and be like all right let's get to know these characters again like let's let's sit with them at all let's stop making jokes for even just a moment um and kind of like allow ourselves to re-engage with Thor again. I I just didn't I didn't find that. I'm not saying that the movie didn't have attempts to do that, but I just didn't click with them at all. Mm-hmm. Um so it did just feel rushed to even just to give more screen time to Bale to mm-hmm. give him a little bit more um backstory. Like he's Thor he's Gore the God Butcher and we see like a little a little uh uh, background story for him and then all of a sudden he just is I would love to see him butcher some gods like yeah. we really didn't see very much of yeah. him butchering gods mm-hmm. um, so I would have I would have loved more time with the characters as a whole less jokes less abrasiveness with just kind of hitting over the head with the silliness of it all not that I wanted this to be a serious movie mm-hmm. not not at all I loved Ragnarok uh, for the way that it was so playful with its material um but this just it just missed for me uh, i was it was very very disappointing and just like just annoying little nitpicks within the movies there's uh some animal characters that scream so a lot obnoxious <laughs> that was just so so obnoxious yeah and just like i hated that they called jane thor Hmm. they called her a thor like so jane foster his his girlfriend from the first two films who is a civilian she's a human being Mm -hmm. uh she's a doctor she's brilliant but she is a human being without superhero powers Mm -hmm. she uh gains abilities similar to thor himself uh at one early into this movie and thor is kind of confronted by the fact that now there's someone who is like him out there and people call her a Thor. They say Jane, like, oh, well, that was before Jane became a Thor. That's weird. That's his mm-hmm. name. That's mm-hmm. not what he is. He's a demigod, but he's not like a, like if, if someone walked in to a room wearing the same outfit as me, you wouldn't mm-hmm. be like, oh my gosh, a Wyatt. 
<laughs> you'd be like, oh my gosh, look at that man with impeccable style. Oh my goodness. That's so good looking. Um, but you know, like the, I don't know why that just bothered me. And they didn't let up the whole movie that they kept yeah. calling her a Thor. Yeah. And then eventually they said mighty Thor, which was like officially her title. Yeah. But again, that's not what she is. That's just the title. Mm-hmm. She's just a woman with powers. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, that's, that, that's a truly uh, small thing, a nitpick, but overall, um, just disappointed by the film. Uh, it, it didn't land for me. I think it once again, just highlights uh, kind of the meandering needlessness of this phase of the MCU that we find ourselves in, um, which is just unfortunate. Like yeah. th- that just makes me so disheartened to, to coming back to any future MCU projects. I'm just feeling like, ugh, I really don't want to go sit through another movie that just feels like it doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess that's an interesting question. So if you guys have listened to the podcast before, you know that I did not watch Marvel movies as they were coming out, like a lot of people did. And I just caught up like over the past couple of years. And so, so my interaction with the MCU is relatively new. Even my experience watching Thor Ragnarok, I really only saw that like maybe a year ago. So Uh even for, for me, like going into this movie, well, yeah, I feel like I need to go back and watch everything (laughs) again because I was watching through so quickly, but even from like, I haven't had to wait years for this next Thor movie to come out. And, but I also don't feel like I have an attachment to him in the way that other people do. Anyways, regardless of that, what, how would you, how does the MCU move forward? It just feels so oversaturated. And so like with everything that they're coming out with, not just phase four, but also everything on Disney plus and trying to connect all these things and whatever, like, like where does it go and can it get back to like end game status, you know, uh-huh. like what would it take to get back to that? I see. That's the thing is I, you're not going to, yeah. I truly believe that you're not. And that's not a, like my generation bias. Like end game was the biggest movie of my generation without a doubt. Like yeah. in terms of my like teenage to, I was 21 when end game came out um, or 22 or yeah 22 <laughs> yeah 2019 uh anyway um mm. so you're not going to get back to that like the mcu is not going to be able to replicate that it needs to evolve and it's not it's just hmm. stagnant hmm. that's why something like for and i don't want to bring this up again as as defending something um that i don't even think is like that amazing but that's why like out of the mcu films this year like i'm gonna choose dr strange multiverse of madness hmm. every time because it feels like it's doing something different i don't think it was perfect i don't even think it was like necessarily great but like i would so much rather that than movies feel Mm. like they're just moving nowhere Mm. or trying to replicate like the same i mean i feel like you 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 kind of uh, both sides of uh this where technically thor did do something different than any prior MCU films did this one it was just like a all-out comedy where the consequences like truly never felt real Mm -hmm. um but I think that just unfortunately came in a time where it's like yeah but people are desperate for this to to all of a sudden start to feel like it, it means something again yeah and the MCU like people you you had a while with the pandemic to to digest a little bit Mm -hmm. i know that like people saw that as the mcu probably struggling because you know they put out one or two movies three movies a year and now all of a sudden they have to not put out a movie for a year and a half i think for them they don't need the money they just just come off of like the biggest movie of all time yeah use that time to be like okay now we don't we have an excuse for sin put for a little bit and really strategizing this mm-hmm. next phase mm-hmm. rather than they were like, Oh, we already got to get going because people are so used to us pumping out yeah. content. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they just dropped the ball and, and maybe that's because most of these projects were already digesting before COVID was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I just feel like people are, you're, you're slipping away from, from end game time. You know, it's, it's, it's 2022 End game was over two years ago at this point. Um, I, I can't remember what the MCU has coming out the rest of this year. Nothing like they've already put out their two big hits this year. They're big mm-hmm. hitters and Dr. Strange and Thor, both of them met with not the best reception. Yeah. Uh, I think this better than Dr. Strange, but still people aren't loving this movie. Mm-hmm. So by the time they have another big hitter com- coming out, that's next spring. You're at three years past Endgame. Three years in MCU time is three centuries. And you haven't put out a film that people have really got behind mm-hmm. aside from No Way Home. Sure. But No Way Home was in a different finality for a, a character and a fan base for a specific character not necessarily MCU. Yeah. Like people love No Way Home, but because of Spider-Man, it had nothing to do with like the greater uh, MCU. Mm-hmm. They need to figure out like a way to make this feel necessary again. People are desperate for a movie that feels like it's leading to something. Yeah. I think Eternals was like obviously leading into that. Like it was setting up, I think, what are bound to be some big players in what will be like phase five and phase six in this probably second kind of tier after the infinity saga of the MCU mm-hmm. timeline. Um, but it also was just like a pretty poorly done film and people didn't like it at all. So, you know, multiversal madness is setting up a lot of like multiversal possibilities and uh, stuff with Scarlet witch and people didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're kind of dropping the ball. And then, these movies that people are like enough or whatever, like Thor are just pointless jokes. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying they're losing viewers anytime soon. Obviously they're, they're doing okay, but I really do think that like more so than people think they're, they're uh, dropping the ball and they need to figure out, you know, how they're going to turn it around. Hmm. And I don't think that turning around is replicating it. I think that it's, it's tough because like the risky moves that they take in something like Eternals and in something like Dr. Strange, I think those probably are the right calls. Those specifically didn't work, but I think it is the right call to push for new types of storytelling for riskier moves and eventually grab one that lands and lean into that direction for the rest of your next phase. But it just hasn't worked so far. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I had a generally good time watching this. I think um, going into it, knowing that it was another Taika movie, um, knowing that the comedic element of Ragnarok would likely return, I I think that is honestly what I went in expecting. I expected a funny movie, um, and I I left and I enjoyed myself and I had a good time. Um, I do feel like it was heavy on the love aspect and lighter on the thunder aspect. It never (laughs) felt particularly like, um, like you said, it just didn't feel like there was a lot of risk or a lot of, a lot of challenge in the movie. It felt emotional and relational. And I like all of those things. I like the relational aspect. I like the comedic elements. Um, so I don't know if I just had either low or proper expectations going into it, um, but I had a good time. I do absolutely agree with you that this, it feels like a joke of a movie and and potentially leaned too much into that comedic element, um, even down to the the screaming animals, like you were talking about the first time it happened. Sure. Funny. But the fifth time it happens no longer funny. And now I'm just annoyed (laughs) that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Super, super over it. So there were, I think it, it felt bloated in a lot of the comedic elements that I think could have been replaced with more intense moments or Christian Bale's character. I loved him. Mm-hmm. I would watch a whole movie just on his character. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was great and fascinating. And, um, but again, even, even his character, they made like sympathetic and like, yeah. like you, 
you understood even the little the little bit of background that we get on his character was like it rationalizes who he becomes a little bit so so even that was like this big scary god murderer apparently is like is he actually that scary mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah i i would have loved more of that and would have loved to have seen them uh see them lean into it a bit more um it's also interesting like there is something that happens at the end of this movie that that feels a little bit like um a bit of a hole in the MCU like if this was an option and if this was available to these characters yeah <laughs> i can't say too much but like if this is a thing like uh-huh. why was that not used movies ago <laughs> like yep. yeah. why is this just happening now so so i think that will be a challenge moving forward for the MCU as well as like where are we in the grand scheme of a timeline and are you starting to introduce elements that then are creating holes in past movies and that just feels like an issue it's you know yeah it's always been the case with the mcu you know as soon as the avengers came out now every single movie you just think well where's where this person's friends every single like solo movie yeah like where are Thor's friends here? He has literally countless friends that are superheroes. Where are they? Yeah. Uh, You know, like all, all MCU movies now have issues like that, where there's just so many different like uh, discrepancies and plot Mm -hmm. holes between them. So yeah, they always kind of find a way to either smooth it over, write some line in a future movie that makes sense sense Mm -hmm. of it, Mm -hmm. or just realize that at the end of the day, people don't care too much. Yeah. Uh, I will say, so I saw the trailer to this movie so many times, so many times that when it got to a particular scene where Zeus was on the screen, it was the first time that I realized it was Russell Crowe. Really? (laughs) Out of all the times I watched the freaking trailer for this movie, never did I make that connection that hmm. it was Russell Crowe? That's funny. And I was shocked. So just a funny little side note. But yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's Thor <laughs> Love and Thunder. Uh for you MCU fans out there, what did you think of it? Did you think that um, you know, it was it was a fun little little break from the main MCU storyline just to kind of tell some jokes and hang out with some cool characters with cool colors uh or did you kind of find it grating and and pointless um what were your thoughts and not and and both of those are both of those are fine sure uh what were your thoughts on it let us know uh we'd love to hear from you yeah well moving into the uh second chris hemsworth film that we'll be talking about today uh I'll be reviewing Spiderhead, and Spiderhead is the latest from director Joseph Kaczynski, who you probably heard us talk about a few episodes ago when we reviewed Top Gun Gun Maverick. Maverick. (laughs) Uh, So, Uh, wow, what a summer uh, to be Joseph Kaczynski. And how how many episodes are we at this point? (laughs) Did we get it in last episode? Um, that's. I mean we did guys we didn't even acknowledge it it last episode was a couple weeks ago now we had some technical difficulties last week that prevented us from we're still going through some chatting chatting with you but uh yeah we'll have to go back through can someone can any listeners out there loyal listeners give us a count of now how many episodes we have mentioned top gun maverick (laughs) uh we'd really appreciate it but uh unfortunately one of joseph kaczynski's summer films is a bit better than the other uh, so <laughs> just keep listening to find out which one it is <laughs> kidding. You know, it's Top Gun Maverick, uh, <laughs> if you've seen it. Um, but Spiderhead, uh, is about a time in the near future when convicts are given the opportunity to volunteer to be medical subjects in order to shorten their sentence. So, uh, throughout this 
film, we follow the story of one convict in particular named Jeff, who is played by the great Miles Teller. Um, And as he specifically is kind of being used to help develop a drug that can generate feelings of love, um, he starts to kind of unravel and begins to question just the very reality that he is a part of. So uh, I think overall, it is a really interesting idea. I think the execution felt a little bit short for me, um, but I enjoyed it enough. So I think I would probably give it um, maybe like a 6.8 or a 7 out of 10. Mm. That's where I sit with Spiderhead. Mm. Um, It is beautiful. It's, uh, it reminded me a lot of, um, ex machina as far as the, the feel of the facility that they're in. It's very, uh, like clean and modern, a lot of harsh lines and like neutral colors with these random pops of like aggressive color, but it's also set in the middle of this like beautiful, landscape. It's like on, right. on the water on the island, and, yeah. um, yeah, just really beautiful. So, um, uh, it feels a bit <laughs> unrealistic considering the fact that they are technically in prison. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like, like rich people prison <laughs> of the future. Yeah. Uh, but overall just a beautiful location to, to play with, uh, what they're kind of uh, creating, particularly with these different drugs and the colors that they assign to them and, and all of that. So again, felt, felt a little ex machina to me, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the look of it. Um, Chris Hemsworth, which I haven't even really mentioned <laughs> up until now, he is our, uh, star opposite of Miles Teller. And, um, the two of them together certainly elevate just the acting, chops that are in this film but both of them feel uh really underutilized to me I think both of them really go for it and really lean into their characters Miles in particular uh but it was particularly odd to see Chris Hemsworth in a role like this especially because I had just seen Thor the day before um so obviously we just talked about Thor this like kind of jokey, unintelligent seeming superhero. And then we go to his role that he plays here, which is very much like thinker, scientist, leader. Like it just felt like a very stark contrast. So it was personally odd to to like jump into this character having just seen him as Thor. But Miles feels like he fits a little bit better in his character um, and just feels a little more true to yeah to roles that he has played before so not that I didn't enjoy Chris Hemsworth in his role it truly was fun to like see him play a character like this I don't feel like I've seen that from him before um it was just uh, a stark contrast from Thor mm-hmm. uh and then we also uh get a performance from Journey Smollett who um I know from Lovecraft Country. And unfortunately, as much as I enjoy her, I think she could have been played by a hundred other people. Like, I don't think she necessarily brought enough of a unique presence and performance to feel impactful, which again, I feel bummed about because I know that she's capable of making a, a solid impact. And playing that kind of intense character so again I feel like she just felt pretty underutilized here the supporting cast of this film unfortunately really drops off it really feels like a film with two leads and then roles that like could be AI they could be like NPCs honestly yeah in terms of how much the writing makes you care about them and like the acting I don't Mm -hmm. think that the the supporting actors are bad actors or anything like that but just not like nothing rolls really nothing rolls yeah yeah the last thing that I'll specifically point out um which I'll talk about some other things that I enjoyed a little bit as we go on but it does have a very fun soundtrack emphasis on the fun 
aspect, uh, which is actually quite an interesting content contrast given like what's actually happening in the movie. It's a very like upbeat <laughs> and fun, uh, soundtrack. So, yeah. uh, I, I would encourage you to turn it on and it's, it has some good jams to just dance around to. It felt it felt much more lighthearted than I think it could have and should have, and that I would have preferred it <laughs> to have, uh, but fun all the same. Going into some of the things I didn't like as much, my biggest uh, disappointment with this movie is that it just felt like there was so much wasted potential. Like it is a cool concept and it had great actors behind it and and it just fell short it was like there was no steam left to actually make it happen um it it felt like it could have been condensed and made into like a black mirror episode yeah. but even then it wasn't intense enough to be a black mirror episode. So it was like, had this cool concept, had this cool location, had great actors could have been so scary and so intense. And it just wasn't like, there are a couple of moments that leave you in suspense, but, um, I like what an, what an interesting and morally gray concept of like using people who are convicts who have messed up, who have made mistakes, using them, physically using them to advance medical technology in an order to like release them early, like to make up for what they have done. Like yeah. there are so many interesting concepts that you could really dig into there. Um, and I feel like it really just scratched the surface of the of the potential of where it could have gone. And I wish that it would have gone darker and creepier and, and just played up the fact that, that like the depravity of man, it really could have gone into all of that and it just didn't. The um, drugs that they are testing out, they each have a name assigned to them, and I won't go into the full explanation of those names because it's a, uh, an important part of the story. However, in addition to their, uh, a part of their name is, is the name of the drug that essentially explains what the drug does. And they were the most ridiculous names <laughs> I have ever heard. Um, yeah. Darkenflox, Laffodil, Verbulus, Luvactin, Phobica. By the 20th time that I heard the word Darkenflox, I just <laughs> could not take it seriously, which which that's one of the houses like, in Harry Potter, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's what happens to you if your soul is getting sucked out of you. Yeah. That's one of the signs. Uh, that's one of the, the astrology signs, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it just felt silly again, like ultimately creative, whatever someone had to name them something. Um, but it just felt silly to me. And those are, drug names that the company is coming up with to label them for the market so i think it is poking fun a bit at like big farm and yeah. like the names that they come up for the drugs but also like big farm doesn't come up with names like that yeah no like they don't name like headache go away yeah right for like and that's, a, and that's for how it feels migraine medication it yeah. just feels cheap felt cheap uh and then Last but not least, again, this goes back to the just, um, it just lacked like depth and explanation. I wanted more on Steve, which is Chris Hemsworth's character. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know more about his background. Mm -hmm. How did this facility come to be? What's the process for being selected? Who are the other prisoners? Why are they there? I just, I just wanted more. Yeah. And it is a bummer because I do genuinely believe that it had a lot of potential, that it is an interesting story, that it had the pieces to make it happen. And it just didn't. Yeah. It's a, it's a hour 47 minute movie that 
feels like an hour and 20 minute movie not because oh just so fun it flies right by but because it ends and you're like oh okay that's it yeah oh okay yeah like definitely thought there was gonna be more it's it's unfortunate it's a film that for two-thirds i thought i feel like this is a bit wasted like they could be doing more with this and then the last third turns into a movie that i'm like oh this is genuinely bad like i really they made some poor poor uh decisions at the end um with like the music and some of the pacing that was just like oh this is not good um the roles aside from teller and hemsworth roles are just non-existent they're not Mm -hmm. real characters they barely have anything to add to the story and i feel bad you know for the actors in those sporting roles teller is okay it's pretty standard stuff um hemsworth it's no fault of his i appreciate his performance i'm just so sick and tired of movies having these like silicon valley-esque uh, like hipster mm-hmm. tech wizard bad guys. Yeah. Um, I just want to see something different. No part of me. Like there's a line where uh, Hemsworth's like assistant who, who's probably like the third most fleshed out character in the film. Totally. Um, who seems to be like a good person. Mm-hmm. He has some issues with the things that Hemsworth does at the facility. And when Teller starts to kind of question some of those things he says to this assistant he says why work for him like why work for this guy when you know that he does these things that are like unethical and immoral and he says there are so few true geniuses in the world Mm. and when you get the opportunity to work with one like him you have to do it even if you don't fully agree with what they're doing because it's truly like true genius he's saying like there's one or two you know ever alive at one time and that's like a pretty cool line. That's like one of the coolest lines in the film. Something that's like, that's convincing. This guy who's like a scientist and he's like, hey, I realized, unfortunately, like this guy's a bad guy, but he also is like potentially going to genuinely change the world. And yeah. I like have Wanna to be, be a part, part of that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at no point am I ever convinced that Chris Hemsworth is a true genius. Totally. They need to have some sort of like, he just is kind of this like pretty frat boy who like is really smart and just like charming and manipulative. I look to a movie like Ex Machina and Oscar Isaac's character there mm-hmm. where he is an attractive guy. He's charming. He's, uh, you know, easy to talk to, explains things. He's friendly. He seems like he's a friend, but he also feels unhinged and scary and dangerous yeah. Yeah. because of his physicality. He's kind of a a, like more brutish type uh, mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. which is funny that you don't use that for Chris Hemsworth, who's right. massive. Literally, yeah. Um, and also he feels dangerous and totally. truly like genius in ways that could hurt the world. Mm-hmm. You never feel that from a Chris Hemsworth character. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that he he did the role exactly how it was written. Um, but that's just on on the writing team and on um, Kaczynski just to put a a more threatening character as your Mm -hmm. main antagonist so Mm -hmm. yeah and then again at the ending like things just really fall apart and it Mm -hmm. ends in such a disappointing way for me that it's like man that was a waste yeah not like a waste of my time not like that but just like a waste of a concept a waste of money like this is a polished film it took a lot of money to make you know Mm -hmm. Netflix Netflix drops big budgets on these things yeah and just like that's like oh that's what we got out of that like yeah mm, bummer could have done more could have done more yeah so that being said it is on netflix and there wasn't any portion of me watching it where i was like necessarily upset that i was watching it it didn't feel enough yeah it it had enough there that it it felt like if you are looking for something that is very light uh, sci-fi futuristic, very light. Um, then, then this is an easy watch and it's enjoyable and has some, some great actors doing stuff, doing some things Hmm. and it's on Netflix. So go check out Spiderhead. Go check out Spiderhead (laughs) after that that just raving glowing, review. glowing yeah. review. <laughs> I hated right. it or I uh, rated it pretty high for you did you someone did. who mostly talked about the things I didn't like about it. But <laughs> typical, typical, typical. That's Heather. 
you know what guys uh if you have seen either of these movies please let us know we would love to hear from you um reach out to us on tiktok or instagram at two takes on film um reach out to us personally we'd love to hear what you think hmm. which hemsworth brother is your favorite i feel like it has to be chris well i don't know that it has to be that all right tell us tell us everyone what do you think i'm i'm actually you know what let's pull hard for luke i really hope luke this one. <laughs> oh someone just Maybe one we'll person put up a poll luke. or something yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks as always for listening. Stay tuned uh, in the upcoming weeks for more episodes on new movies coming out. Until then, watch as many movies as you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Schwarzenegger uh, farted in her face intentionally whilst filming. Um, like sexually? <laughs> I I don't think it was sexually rooted. I think she does believe that it was intentional though, and she still has not forgiven him for it. <laughs>